0: Hello everybody and welcome to today's podcast, Invitation to Expression, where me and my group Arthurstown will delve deep into the characteristics and intricacies of many different musical societies across the globe. More specifically in this episode, how each culture and their music is inclusive and exclusive to society. I'm your host, Laura Trapiti, and this is the first installment of our Diverse Worlds of Music podcast, brought to you also by Josh, Luke, Shengzi, Austin, and James. Our first topic will be surrounded by the sounds of the Americas, followed by mid-world music, and lastly, East Asian musical origins.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Austin Arthur's Morning Show, my segment of the podcast. Um, my name's Austin, and I'll be sharing some awesome content with you today. Um, if you enjoy and are intrigued, um subscribe to my page to get notified for podcasts in the future. Um so let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, the time for welcoming you all is over. Time to get in the details of what we're talking about today. Okay, so what we have for you guys today is a super interesting topic. It's the tango. So I know many of you immediately think of the dance when you hear the word tango. But the tango is really more than just a dance. It's music as well. Super, super cool. No one, not no one, but a lot of people don't really know that the tango is actually the sound that is played in the background as and the dance as well, which is super interesting to me. I just found this out recently and I thought I would share it with you guys. But as we go deeper into this episode, we're going to dive into the origins of tango, of the tango dance, and also the sound behind it. So let's get started. The start of the tango originated in Argentina and the tango um, music actually originated from different earlier styles, such as the milombo which is a form of improvised male dance competition. Um, And then also the malanga, the Cuban Haberna and Condombe. And the the latter two were actually in practice, were were a practice with African roots, which just goes to show the mixture and hybrids of different musical practices throughout Latin America. Um, But the tango, later developed as a form of popular dance music in Argentina, primarily in Buenos Aires in the Greater De La Plata region. In these regions, though, there was a huge labor migration where working men had, mas- had a very masculine reputation. However, this reputation was developed by many things, but more importantly, through song and dance. And this is where the tango comes into play because in the places where they were hanging out after work, which were called common they would dance and also listen to music and compete against each other. Um, And they would listen to the tango and it became a super, super popular thing in these areas. And ultimately it popped off, but before it did, it was very, it was very not the idea of this kind of music was not welcomed by the upper class and the wealthy in Argentina because they saw all the common people dancing and in love with it so they assumed that it was they were like we're too good for that so they disregarded it but when the tango eventually came to Paris and it was widely accepted and everyone loved it all around the entire world Argentina began to fully accept it as their own dance and as a pillar to their society which is something that is so 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 cool and it shows the different mobilities um that caused the tango to become internationally known and accepted in their own country All right. Now, after hearing a little bit about the origins of the tango and how it eventually spread and became super popular popular around the entire world, let's take a look at uh, some a question one of our uh, viewers has. So Ryan Murphy asked in the email, um, the mobilities you mentioned, such as the type of people and sounds um, for the tango, is this an example of exclusivity or inclusivity in music okay well that's a very good question um and i would definitely say it shows it's an example of inclusivity in music and how it's a changing dynamic because at first you see that the tango is super popular and accepted within um more the the common people and the workers in argentina whereas the wealthy um don't really want anything to do with it and look down upon it um but through just you know the love for the music and ultimately spreading it because if you love something you're gonna tell other people right um and i totally believe that's true uh so it eventually reached paris and it kind of went across the entire world and now argentina accepts it fully so i think it's inclusive because you know it's joining everyone together instead of excluding others. Very good question though, Ryan. Appreciate that. Okay. Moving on to our last question of the day before we take, uh, call-ins from our viewers. Um, so Jimmy over here, um, tweeted us and asked us, so, um, In Argentina, when the tango was becoming popular among the common workers and common people, um, he asked us uh, whether it was mainly women participating um, in the dances or listening or the men um, who was more dominant uh, in the participation with the tango. And that's actually a very interesting question because... Um, after doing some research, I actually noticed that it's really men who are, who are more interested in it. Um, and it actually even says at some points, it was five to one men to women. Um, so men would be dancing together a lot, which is extremely interesting because in our culture today, this might be an overgeneralization, but I believe that women are really into music and men really aren't as much. Um, But I could be totally off my rocker there. That's just kind of my own personal opinion. Um, That could be totally wrong. But yeah, so I think that's something that's super cool Um, and very interesting to think about that men were actually much more into doing tango than the women were. All right, I know I know it's been a little little long, but we're almost there Call-ins, All right, um, you guys can all call in ask a question um, about Anything you want to know about me or what we discussed today? Um, So yeah, go ahead and call uh, Austin morning show numbers at the top right All right, we got a caller all right Hello, welcome to the Austin Morning Show. How are you today? Good, good. All right, what do you want to ask? I have a question. Um, I was just researching some stuff and you know, I didn't really know what instrument was associated with the tango. Um, so I was kind of wondering, uh, what uh instrument is associated most with the tango? Do you know? Okay, I actually uh, do, that's a very good question. Um, So the instrument that was most associated with tango that some people know about, is called the bendonium. Um, But honestly, the instruments uh, that initially provided the soundtrack to the tango dance and song were actually um, guitars, flutes, and violins. but the mo- instrument that's associated the most is called the bandonian, um, and at first the bandonian didn't make, you know, wasn't really in- known to be involved with in the tango that much until the first decade of the 20th century. Um, but now it's kind of, kind of the main instrument associated with the dance and song, which is super interesting. I think very good question. Um, thank you for calling in.
0: Moving along, the second general location we will be discussing is Africa and the Middle East. While it's easy for many to characterize Africa as one broad culture, the continent of Africa has over 50 countries and linguistics have identified at least 800 ethno-linguistic groups. Because many musical traditions are linked to specific groups, it is often better to think about African music in their own individual societies rather than in national terms. In contrast to the stereotypical vision of a small, so-called primitive tribes in Africa, various kinds of traditional political organization include complex, hierarchical, centralized states with political authority vested in the hands of hereditary rulers and more decentralized, smaller-scale societies where political power was regulated by interactions between kinship groups such as clans or lineages. Centralized kingdoms with highly developed political organizations have existed in Africa from early times. For example, the state of Zimbabwe. Given the socioeconomic diversity among African societies, we could expect much musical diversity as well. The two societies I will be focusing on are the Pygmies and the Mandé. Starting with the Pygmies, they are a social group found in the forests from Gabon, Cameroon, Uganda, and Rwanda. They mainly rely on hunting and gathering and have no formalized hierarchy system. In regards to musical traditions, vocal music is a pri- is prioritized, and a lot of sub-Saharan music, especially the Pygmies in this case, can be characterized by using an ostinato or a part of a song that overlaps one another, as well as the call-and-response technique. Furthermore, they strongly value cooperation, egalitarianism, and unity, and in many Shona societies, the spiritual world is involved. On this note, we actually received an email from one of our listeners specifically questioning about the Pygmy Society. The question is... I'm very fascinated in African musical traditions, particularly the pygmies. I'm aware of their high level of respect for unity and inclusiveness. However, I was wondering what are any specific examples of how they illustrate this in day-to-day life. This is a great question because I think it is such a fascinating and beautiful concept. To showcase their involvement with the spiritual world and unifying values, the pygmies actually partake in the limo, which is a communal and daily ceremony that honors the divinity of the forest that surrounds them. In other words, they sing to wake up the forest, which is where the prevalence in vocal music comes into play. Moving on to the Mandé, their social group is characterized by social hierarchy and occupational specialization. Specifically, there is the jolly, or hereditary specialist working as a professional musician and verbal artist, whose status position derives from hierarchical rather than egalitarian social relations. The Mandé case clearly differs in some ways from conceptions about music and musicians within pygmy society, where the music making is a non-professional, largely non-specialized activity. Another distinction between these two societies regards the power of the word and the importance of song texts. Although vocal music is important in both societies, the jolly performance often emphasizes verbal artistry and elaborate texts, whereas some of the most important pygmy music, such as singing for the Molimo L- ceremony, involves very little text. Overall, it can be concluded that the pygmies exemplify more of an inclusive society, while the Mandé a more exclusive one. Nonetheless, certain features of Mandé musical style are consistent with the general traits discussed for the pygmies, and it's important to remember the historical context that shapes these wide arrays of different cultures, and how this both affects their sound and overall way of life.
2: Hi everyone, Uh, today we're going to talk about exclusion and inclusion in Middle Eastern and North African music one of the genres where this is easy to see is the Berber rights genre. The, uh, the Berbers are a people who have been living in North Africa since prehistory. They uh, were conquered by the Roman Empire, they were interacted with Egypt, and they have been living there since farther than we know. But um, one of the main turning points in Berber history was the invasion of the region by Islamic empires from the Middle East. Uh, these empires brought with them Islam and they also brought with them the Arabic language. Many of the uh, Berber peoples Arabicized and joined the ruling class of these empires. Uh, those who didn't, however, were usually living in rural or mountainous terrain where um, restricted in their rights and sort of marginalized in these uh, Middle Eastern states. This trend accelerated in the late 19th and early 20th century. North Africa was colonized by the European powers, such as Italy and France. And these countries promoted languages such as Arabic or French or Italian over the native Berber languages. Um, So when the region was granted independence in the 20th century, uh, creating countries like Tunisia, Morocco, Algeria, many of these uh, Berber peoples had been oppressed and were looking for uh, political rights. This created a sort of culture of political activism that uh, lasts to this day. Uh, This culture has been, this sort of culture of political activism has been responsible for um, of civil unrest, as well as some violence, such as the... um, Azawad Rebellion in Northern Mali in 2012. Uh, to go along with this uh, sort of culture of Berber activism, there's also music associated with it. Uh, a particularly famous example of it is that is Lunes Matoub, who is a um, famous Berber uh, rights musician. He made a lot of music that was very popular in the 1960s and 70s um, until... Uh, his death in the late 1990s when he was assassinated, presumably by the Algerian government. Uh, his death sparked off a number of sort of uprisings among the people and a number of uh, civil and amount of events of civil unrest. Overall, the uh, Berber rights genre is very strong in its exclusionary characteristics. It's a genre for Berbers for their political um, activism and. It kind of reflects that. Berbers Berbers are excluded from mainstream North African society, and they make music that excludes mainstream North African society in their own sort of way.
3: Hello, my name is Josh Carbon, and in in this episode of today's podcast, we'll be discussing East Asian musical origins and societal movements. I'll be covering China, a country whose music roots date back seven to 8,000 years ago, originating from the Zi, Shang, and Zhao dynasties. Instruments that were first introduced mainly from the Silk Road include flute and bell-like instruments, which then expanded into more percussion and string instruments. The most famously regarded string-knit instrument of China is the Qin, Scholars and ancestors say its antiquity and rich legacy of the associations behind it prove its way to the top. It is seven strings of various thickness with 13 studs up and down the shaft. They are usually tuned to the notes C, D, F, G, A, C, D in order. Detailed recordings on how to use and effectively play the kin have been found to date back all the way to the 6th century CE. This vastly old date shows the importance of the instrument to society because it was so well documented so long ago. For many centuries it stayed a very inclusive instrument to play. It was a part of big in it was a big part of societal festivals, gatherings, and more, but it was associated with only male ages and scholars, sages and scholars. Its main place over time was in the ceremonial music found in courts. It's not so catchy, but very original and authentic music declined more and more with urbanization, so the instrument became more mundane and common. Therefore, as well, more and more women started playing, and the kin could be played anytime, anywhere. Another very popular instrument, which is quite similar to the kin, is the pipa. It has five strings, but the bigger difference is that it is played horizontally, while the kin is played vertically on a table or on someone's lap. The pipa is much more difficult to learn and play and again, was a very inclusive instrument because it was an important repertoire for refined entertainment in the courts. The next swing of music in China's culture was strings with wind on strabbles. This is the switch in China's timeline from their culture, their music culture being quite inclusive to being very exclusive ensemble members played for their own enjoyment and many players were just kids, parents or elderly. Big performances were done in front of huge crowds and became intertwined with everyday life and society, giving feelings of pride and joy to all. From this point on, which was in the 19th century to the present, China's music culture to society has been very exclusive because of urbanization and the switch from only the wealthy and skilled being able to enjoy music to everyone.
4: All right, now we will be covering the topic of Korean music. Uh, My name is James Bissett, and I'll be your uh, sort of tour guide through this genre. This is actually brought to us by a Twitter user. His username is, his or her username is at, I think music is great, G-R, and the number eight. And they ask, I've heard a lot of rumors about there being quote unquote, two musical koreas and is there any truth to this and for that question we will need to go to korea pre-split and so we will start with in 1876 the korea signed an unequal trade agreement with japan and this agreement resulted in uh, multiple countries such as russia america and obviously japan being very interested in korea and therefore they started importing a lot of their cultural practices into. The Korean country. Those practices included music, and of the music, they used military marching bands, uh, Christian hymns, the popular Western music and classical music, you know, just musical, music that was popular at the time, whether related to their religion or just what they're listening to, listening to to be entertained. And a lot of that music is what influenced the traditional Korean music that we heard. And then around 60 years later, This is getting a little bit more recent. In 1931, the Asia-Pacific War started, which ended in 1945, and this is when Korea was then divided along the 38th parallel into North and South. Northern Korea was Soviet stewarded, and Southern Korea was American-occupied, and then this is where we start to see sort of the um, musical split, if you will, from just the base traditional Korean music so obviously there's they're basically two completely separate countries South Korea is capitalistic um they have growing class inequality, familism factionalism um you can there's movement between classes there's political parties you know it's a it's a democratic country and North Korea is very much the opposite everybody it's communism everybody is exactly the same there's no Class movement and well it's it's very much different than South Korea, and that is where we start to see a split because obviously the two different countries are experiencing experiencing life in completely separate ways, which will then influence you know the stories that they tell through their music or who their music is written for music is written about North Korea their music is they have very popular um their music is very very popular in the folk pop light instrumental and political performers, mainly being that for political p- performers, their music is a lot of times written about their dictators at the time or who's in control and the government and how much that they love the country and government, whereas South Korea has a little bit more freedom, they can talk about you know I don't know you know girls boys, all that stuff. K-pop was very, is, and was very popular out of Korea. Um, I never listened to it personally, but there's a lot of stands of that music, if you will, and that has major influence on the Korean music today. So now those are the differences. There is still some similarities. There's a song, I might butcher this, but Arirang, A R I R A N G which was a song created in the early 20th century. And in that song, the musician can choose a certain verse to perform of the song based on the audience and on the occasion, like why they're performing. And this is very characteristic of traditional Korean music. And this characteristic is called social improvisation. So the Rang really kind of came to the forefront of the social improvisation um, it, pre- it premiered in a 1926 film, which was also called Rang, e. and by a Korean filmmaker. So there is some similarities in the traditional music that we can kind of see by the instruments and the melodies and rhythms of the two separate musics. But a lot of times the stories and the meanings of the music is very different.
0: Well, I hope everyone learned something and heard something new today. Until the next installment, thanks for listening. <laughs>